This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 53 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. Our show planned for this week includes a conversation with Wendy Frike, para-equestrian. Plus, we hear from Rachel Knopf and Lauren Robinson on the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. Our first test was a little wobbly because I was scared to death. It was the first time I'd ever shown him in any show ring. And so I rode him a bit conservatively, but by the second and the third day, I really kind of revved the motor a bit on him, and he has an amazing medium trot, and um, and I think the international judges were really, really pleased with him. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Debbie McDonald in Haley, Idaho, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, welcome back, Debbie. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be home. Well, what a traveler you've been. You've had a, quite an adventure with your uh, with your protege there, Adrian Lyle and Wizard. We've been reading all about your travels over to Europe, to Germany. What a wonderful experience. Congratulations, coach and mum. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was. It was great fun. Uh, it's such a great experience and, and really, you know, steps up the whole level of competition once you've been over there. It, it really was. It was a fun trip. How many shows did you have, Debbie, all together? Well, she she did too, and that you know we would have loved to have put more in, but um, you know you've only got so much money to to spend, and and it goes very fast when you go over there, especially when you take into account the uh, the shipping alone is by the time you have a round trip fare is about twenty five thousand dollars. So anything over that is uh, <laughs> a lot. It it, it goes very fast put it that way well well i have to ask you since you were flying about the time of the eruption of that volcano were you managed were you able to avoid that did or that did that interrupt your travels well it interrupted my husband bob getting to to europe he couldn't get there because of the volcano so that did you know it did bump into the into our plans and then coming home the, it started to, well, it, it never really stopped erupting, but it just depends on which way the, the ash cloud moves, whether it in, intrudes into the airspace. And it happened to start flying over Amsterdam again, and the day before I was leaving, they shut Amsterdam down again. But thank the Lord <laughs> that the, the jet stream moved and they opened that airport back up on the day I was traveling. So I got home, and Adrian got home, and that all worked out really well. <laughs> and but it is, I mean, it has caused a lot of havoc. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I know we've, you know, heard from riders that have been trying to get back and forth across the pond, how disruptive it has been in recent weeks. Now, but Wizard is also back home now, is he? He is. He's back in, in Idaho again, and will be able to at least enjoy his pasture and home for about uh, 
I think we're home like seven weeks, and then he will fly back again to for the trials to New Jersey. To Gladstone, of course, yes. Yeah. Well, tell yeah. us a little bit about that adventure, Debbie. You had two shows, but being on the sidelines as coach is very different pressure for you. It really was. Um, you know, you like when you're the rider, of course, you know, you're nervous. But once you get on the horse, you know, it's everything is in your power. You know, you can change the scenario or you can't, you know. But as the coach, you sit there, and now I can really empathize with my husband and boss and everybody <laughs> gone through for years because, you know, you're nervous, but then when they get on, you're still nervous. <laughs> you know, and then every single footfall of the of the test you know you're you're praying and you're you're <laughs> exhausted by the time it's all over <laughs> and then when it goes well i find myself crying and i mean i get so emotional it's hysterical but it is it is fun i have to say i'm enjoying it well of course you're so invested you know that she is truly your protege and 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 she's like a daughter to you so I can imagine the emotional investment as well as the professional investment it becomes a, a you know a bond doesn't it it's like watching your oh, child yeah. yeah it is it is it's very much that way and um it, what was really really fun for me as well was having going back to Judith and Klaus's and working having her work with Klaus and and you know, sitting side by side and, and you know, talking and, and coaching kind of together. It was like, it was like so, like going home. It really, you know, for me, he's always been such a staple. And it was just really great to go back and spend time there with them. So what were the highlights of, of the trip when you weren't under the stress, um, uh, you know, beside the arena, tearing your hair out and, and, and leaning on everyone's shoulder? <laughs> what was the fun part? What, what did you uh, take away and what did Adrian take away from that? Well, I think um, as far as, as, you know, what we did in between, we managed to, uh, you know, Chrissy Clemens, came with us as the groom and and that was great for adrian because they're about the same age and they could you know mess around and stuff so that was fun for them but um you know i think like i said the weather and stuff was for the most part awful (laughs) (laughs) but um i think we had one one week that was absolutely spectacular but then the rest was pretty miserable so that kind of dampens what you want to do during the day you end up eating more than you should and the wrong things (laughs) (laughs) but um you know we still managed to make ourselves get out there and walk around and um but i like i said the the thing that i enjoyed the most was uh was going to klaus's and um we also went to um uh and katrin lindsenhoff's and it was it and we actually were staying we stayed there um on the way to munich we spent three days there, and um, they treated us like, you know, just so unbelievable. They, we stayed in, on the property. They fed us three meals a day, um, and we, I got to sit there and watch Klaus work with Matthias and, um, and Adrian as well. I mean, you know, just sitting and watching and, and noticing that, you know, everybody has the same issues. And it's just, you know, learning how to get through them and, and, uh, and moving on, you know, not let, holding on to it so long. Mm-hmm. So the whole, the whole experience of, of being able to watch in the warm-ups and watch Klaus and, you know, work with 
several other students. Um, it just was, you know, refreshing, and it just it, it makes you come back with a little better outlook on how things need to be. So, uh, what did you what did you glean also, Debbie, for over there uh, that you could bring back as uh, as a scout for our team? You know what the opposition is looking like. Uh, and it, I mean, did you watch some combinations, thinking that you know the, those are the ones we have to watch out for in, in in terms of our preparation for the World Equestrian Games? Oh yeah, I mean, they there is a lot of depth out there. I have to say, and and. Um, to be honest, the fact that we don't have ourselves out there in the world being looked at more, it does make it very difficult to be extremely competitive with them. So, you know, I mean, in the future, we seriously do need to find some combinations and, and have them go over and stay at least a couple months and get some shows in and, and uh, get that experience, you know, and go over as maybe teams and work together and... and uh, you know, I think it's it's very, very important for the future of our sport, for sure. It certainly is. Well, we have all to play for this year, and I know uh, our World Equestrian Games um, you know, select riders that are, are competing for a place on the team there they you know that all you can do is do what you can do here if you don't get that kind of exposure. You've just got to know that you've got to up your game here. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not going to be possible financially for everybody to be able to go and uh you know it doesn't i'm not going to say it doesn't make it more difficult in the international judge's eyes but if we know what is going on over there and what is winning and what they want to see those judges then you can bring it back and you can produce that but it's very important that that i think the coaches go over and see it you know, and, and actually get a chance to live that from time to time and don't get stuck here in our own little bubble. Yes, yeah, so that, that's the problem, isn't it? And, and, and nothing like that kind of exposure. Well, Adrian must have lots of memories now, lots of lessons that she's brought back, and, uh, and I guess onwards and upwards now for, for the rest of the campaign uh, towards the selection trials at Gladstone for, for her. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, she's a young combination, and uh, you know, if if it doesn't happen this year, we we are so prepared for that, and and hopefully look forward to you know 2012. Um, of course, everybody always knows you've got to keep everybody healthy and happy. So uh, there's a lot that goes into keeping it keeping it going, not yes. just the fact that you want to be there, but you have to work for it. Well, it sounds as if you're thoroughly enjoying your new role as, as coach and, and mentor and mum. And <laughs> it sounds like it's going to keep you busy. <laughs> it's going to keep... <laughs> that's true. I am, I am, and I am very much enjoying it, that's for sure. Well, good for you, Deb. Well, it's great to have you back on the show. We, we missed you. We knew what you were busy and obviously wanted to get you back. Um, not least of all, because um, I wanted to talk a little bit about para questions because you have a, a role recently. You've been some coach some para questions haven't you i have and and i have to tell you that uh they are very inspiring and are great athletes i mean people shouldn't look at them and think that they aren't capable of doing exactly what the able-bodied riders are and they um their attitude and desire is just as great and strong as anybody else's and uh i just am so excited that they get to be a part of the world equestrian games 
Yeah, it really is thrilling. Well, one of those riders I know um, that you that is familiar to you, and you, you met her at the Dressage Affair earlier this year, is our first guest this week, and that's Wendy Freik. And we're going to hear from Wendy in just a second uh, after we uh, take a break here for our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products, and that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offers supplements designed to target specific problems and are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation, and each product is backed by Sound Research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at KPP. USA.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at KPPUSA.com. Well, I spoke to Wendy Freich, uh, Debbie, um, just yesterday, and uh, we'll talk about enthusiastic. She sends her regards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she is enthusiastic. She is a character. Well, we're going to hear what uh, Wendy's been up to and how she's preparing her with her campaign and her bid to get a place on the World Equestrian Games team here this summer. So uh, let's hear from Wendy. Well, hi, Wendy. Thanks for joining us on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a delight to have you on. And, you know, we, we've got a very exciting event coming up here on the Horse Radio Network at the beginning of June. As you know, the Para-Webathon, which we're really, really excited to be involved with to help raise funds and awareness for the para-equestrian athletes heading to the World Equestrian Games. It's called the Journey to the, Journey to the World Equestrian Games. So we're delighted you can join us. And I know it's, you've, you've been a rider now for a number of years, but tell us a little bit how, how you got started in, in the horse world. Well, um it had always been kind of a lifelong dream of mine, so I actually started as an adult amateur in my mid-30s, <laughs> which, um, which, is, which is a little late to come to the horse game, but um, I started as a, um, as a hunter-jumper, and because that was pretty much the first thing I found, you know, um, and um, learned there, and then kind of switched disciplines and went into the horse trials end of things, and from that... From the horse trials, um, I was introduced to the whole idea of dressage, and um, that kind of led me to para in kind of a backwards way, which I think is pretty interesting for the able-bodied people out there to understand is there's, there's a lot of people with mild disabilities or sometimes even more severe disabilities that are riding in the ranks of the able-bodied world all the time. And it was through dressage that I um, realized that I was going to need something to help me um, anchor my right foot because I have mild cerebral palsy um, with most of the symptoms on my right side. So with the longer stirrup length, um, I needed something to help me keep my foot in the iron 
so that it wouldn't bounce out and that the judge would understand that I was unable to get it back in if it did. So that led me to the USEF dispensation program, which is a program that anybody with a disability has the um, opportunity to use, which is you apply um, to, the, to that national federation and they, they review your medical paperwork and determine if you need an extra piece of equipment that you are allowed to ride with. So in my case, I am, I am um, on, on my card, it says that I am allowed to ride with my right foot and also my left foot for balance reasons tethered into my stirrups so that I don't have to worry about keeping my foot in the stirrup because I can't move my ankle. Um, and people are often really confused about this program because they think that, the, um, that it gives us um, like it tells a judge all about me and what I've been doing. And, but actually all the dispensation program does is tells the judge and the ring steward that you are allowed to ride with a piece of equipment that otherwise would, would be forbidden for that class. So depending on the para um, person that you see in the ring, that could be different reins. That could be two whips instead of one whip. That could be Velcro to their saddle. It covers a large um, area of different things that we may need to get the job done. But it does not um, tell the judge what's wrong with us or what our disability is. And it, and it doesn't make any difference than the way we ride the tests if we're riding against able-bodied people, let's say, in a training level or first-level test. If you're tethered in the stirrup, are you concerned that that could be a safety issue if you were to fall off? Or is it a, a connection that will easily break in the event of you parting company unscheduled? Well, unfortunately, I can tell you from firsthand experience <laughs> that, um, that the tethers that I use do. Um, I use large rubber bands right now, but I'm in, in the process of switching to the on-tight stirrup system, which is that magnetic stirrup system that's coming onto, onto the market. But if, but if you do have a crash or a fall, either the rubber band or the magnet or some people use Velcro for their thighs, um, it's all been tested so it immediately gives way and you come off the horse just like an able-bodied person would. Okay. And I can attest to that from personal experience. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you have to tell us what happened now. Oh, well, um, I mean, I've been, I've been riding for 15 years, so just like my able-bodied compatriots, right? We all have those <laughs> We lines. do, yep. You know, that things just don't work out the way you thought they were going to when you put your helmet on that day? Yep. And, um, um, and actually, I've had some, some actual tremendous horses as partners. So the only time that I've really ever fallen off when I was tethered in was I was at a local show, and my horse at the time just got really, really excited. We had a bit of a runaway situation, and I just bounced off. And, 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 um, but, but those bands come completely off. So, but people um, often say to me, aren't you scared? And um, all of this stuff has really been tested um, so that it's actually more safe for us because our balance is more, you know, confirmed like if an able-bodied person would think of constantly having to ride without their stirrups, fatigue comes into play. So once you know that you can rely on the parts of your body to be stable, 
it actually helps your core strength, you know, and it gives you more strength on the horse rather than, you know, being a deterrent of, of, of some sort. So, That's interesting. Well, you, yeah, made me, you yeah. made me curious about this magnet you said is going to be available in the stirrup. How does that work? Is that a magnet on your boot and then in the stirrup? Right. Well, actually, um, this year at Del Mar, at the, at the dressage affair in Del Mar, I met Ellie Brimmy. Ellie Brimmer, sorry, um, who has been working with Debbie McDonald, and she rides with the system that's called the On Tight, and that's spelled O-N-T-Y-T-E system, where they put, so the iron itself has a magnet in it, and then they send you a kit for the soles of your boot, that ha- so that you have the sole of your boot removed and you put theirs on and it has magnets on the underside so that when you put your foot into the stirrup, it kind of clicks in there, you know, and then the field of the magnet does its magic. And then when it's time to come off, you kind of torque your foot and it, and it just kind of lets you go and you hop off the horse. It's a very elegant solution so that you don't have to worry about rubber bands and um, and it, and it also helps me when I tried it um, to keep my foot, you know, straight parallel to the horse. Because sometimes if you use some other way of tethering your foot in, your foot kind of wiggles back and forth so that you can so that you're not parallel to to the side of the horse anymore. So it's a really elegant solution that um, that the company has told me some show jumpers are using at the FEI levels and. I think more and more able-bodied people are going to start to see this. I think it's even being sold now in Dover. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's coming to a tax shop, you know, in your neighborhood, too. <laughs> I was going to say what a great idea, and, and yeah. you answered my question, actually. I was going to ask you if it was available to everyone, and yep. it sounds and like it is. I think there's plenty of people that would be glad of this. Oh, yeah, and um, and it's completely legal, so... If um, if any able-bodied person, let's say you're jumping your horse really big and you routinely lose your irons, this is an this is an option for you too. You know, so that's cool. That's very cool. Well, you mentioned the dressage affair that you were at in, in Del Mar, California, earlier this year, and I know that you swept the board there with your horse uh, Lateran in the Grade Three division. Tell us about that. You know, you won the individual, the team, and the freestyle. It was it was a, a clean sweep over there. Tell us about your partnership with him, Wendy. Sure. Well, um, it's um, I've had him. He is a, a horse that's being leased to me by Polly Lamond of Pepperknoll Farms in El Cajon, California. And um, so, so it was kind of a homecoming for him because he's shown very many times at that show venue. They were very, very welcoming to us and ran a great show. So um, I've had Lateran. Um, he came to me <clears throat> shortly after Thanksgiving of 2009. So this was our first show together in March. We'd only been together for about three and a half months. And it was um, our it was a CPEDI, which is our which is our equivalent to a CDI. So there was a little pressure on me because I was coming back into his backyard. It was the first time his owner had seen him since he came to me, and he was awesome. He is a um, 13-year-old German riding pony stallion, and um, and he is just he is a petite warm blood basically, even though he is a pony. Um, but he he has the movement and the presence of an 18-hand West 
Stallion, which is what he's bred. You know, so he marched into those show rings, and our first test was a little wobbly because I was scared to death. It was the first time I'd ever shown him in any show ring. And so I rode him a bit conservatively, but by the second and the third day, I really kind of revved the motor a bit on him, and he has an amazing medium trot. And um, and I think the international judges were really, really pleased with him, which was awesome for me because it, it, it let me knew that they were going to um, like the partnership of us together. And it was also awesome for me because I got a chance to showcase him and showcase the breed and let people know how incredible these these ponies are, you know. So how, he so he did an awesome job. How big is he? He is um, 148 centimeters, which is exactly at that 14.2 cutoff for a pony. Okay. Um, so and and I kismet being what it is, I am five foot tall. So um, so he's a perfect match for me because then I can really ride him on that cusp of those big swingy gates that you like to see in dressage, but not be overpowered by his mass, you know, so that we're, so that we're a pretty good team together, I think. Yeah, it sounds like a great combination. Now, I know that event was um, a qualifying competition for the selection trials for the World Equestrian Games later this year. Wendy, so tell us about your schedule now, what your program is this, this summer. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be pretty whiz bang this summer, you know. Um, so, uh, in just about a month, on um, June, I believe our trials begin on June 25th of this um, this coming month. We all all of all the U.S. para people come into Lamplight in um, Wayne, Illinois, and we have our U.S.A. Uh, para 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 equestrian championships and our selection trials for the WEG. So, um, and to be, and to be invited, you have to have scores that qualify you to be in, um, in contention for those spots that we have. So that's in less than a month. So everyone is really on a, on a push, really lockdown mode, getting our skills all, you know, um, buffed up for, for that, uh, that all-important show for for the spots that we have going into WEG, and there and there is a CPEDI going on this weekend up in Toronto, where more U.S. people are trying to get their uh, their qualifying scores to be invited to that show. Terrific. So yeah. Now, do you ride every day, Wendy? What What's your schedule for training? Well, um, I. I ride between four and five times a week, and my trainer, Nicole Glusenkamp of um, West Menton Stables in Parker, Colorado, rides him the other two days just to keep him tuned. He, he before he came to me, was just starting to show pre-St. George. Um, so it's important that the combination of the two of us work on him together. Um, he's, he's been an awesome pony for me. But, um, but, but I do have a disability, so, so I have to put my ego aside sometimes and say there, there are things that my able-bodied trainer needs to keep tuned on him. Like, I tend to be stiff on my right side, so when she rides him, she works a lot on keeping him very supple on the right side um, so that he doesn't get defensive with his mouth or short with his mouth because of the spasticity that I have in my right side. And so far, he's made that really easy for us, for both of us to ride him. 
Um, so, and then on the off days when I'm not riding, I try to um, get on my bicycle and do some bike work and always doing some cross training so that my fitness level is up and and seeing that he's a pony that my weight is down because he can make me look like I have a big butt really quickly (laughs) (laughs) so so I'm always trying to keep really fit but fitness for the para rider is is just as it is for the able-bodied body really really paramount because we have to keep you know just as fit as our horses are and um and able because as soon as the web selection is done then then we pretty much have the summer and then we go into web just like everyone else does so we have to be at our at our fighting weights at our you know optimum strongest and our fitness level has to be awesome and our mental attitude has to be right there just just like our able-bodied dressage compatriots well it sounds like you're going to have a very uh, fun and challenging year ahead this this summer and and how exciting is that for you wendy to have the world games in your backyard and be to, to be vying for a place on the team you must be just thrilled at the opportunity oh i'm i'm, I'm just over the moon you know and and it's and it's an important uh growth time for the paris sporting world um because we are now just getting our hands on that quality horse flesh that we need because the European countries are are, are mounted and have been mounted for for um, for several decades now on incredible horse flesh, which which I think um, is is just a testament to how much our sport is growing. That we ride the same quality and the caliber of dressage horses that the able-bodied people ride. Um, and we deal with the same volume of m- movement and that and that spitfire attitude that you really need on an on an international or that special horse that can go into the ring at an FEI level and turn it on. Um, that's why I was so incredibly proud and pleased and humbled to be offered this horse that I'm that I'm on because he is. He has it, you know, and his owner could have kept him and done very, very well at the FEI and the I1 and probably even the Grand Prix level, but instead she gave him to me. So, you know, I'm so thrilled to have this opportunity, and I'm so humbled to be part of the, part of a team, if, if that's the way things go and the gods are in my favor, um, that gets to keep the door open for all the paras behind me so that they know that at the therapeutic riding centers or at their able-bodied riding centers that they grew up learning to ride, that they have the same opportunity for this international, you know, um, opportunity to ride against the best in the world and actually have USA on their jackets and get to turn it on for those judges. I mean, I wish that... that I would have had those opportunities presented to me as a young girl, but times are changing and people are thinking, and it just pleases me that I get to hold it open the door for a 10-year-old boy or girl that is just now starting their career and say to them, man, the world is your oyster. There are so many opportunities for you. Wow. And that just, that pleases me so much. 
There, there certainly is, and you certainly are a pathfinder, Wendy. We want to wish you and Lateran the very best of luck in your quest to make the team this year. And we look forward to catching up with you on June the 8th here when we hold our para-webathon. I know you're going to be a phone-in guest for us that day as we try and raise money and awareness for the para-equestrians who are heading to the World Equestrian Game. So I look forward to catching up with you again in just a couple of weeks' time. Well. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, of course, I'll be there with bells on just to let the world know about this great program that we're in and, um, and, just, and just to welcome anybody that has interest in supporting us. Terrific. We, 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 we as, the para, as the para team, are extremely grateful for the support and um, that people are starting to get to know what we're doing. And we can't wait to, for all of the nation to see how proud that we're going to make it this country you know so well terrific well thank you again so much for having me you're most welcome thank you thank you well as you said she's uh, certainly enthusiastic and uh, (laughs) we're very much looking forward to having her call in uh, to our para webathon debbie uh, the para webathon i think i may have mentioned this to you is something that the horse radio network is hosting on June the 8th, between 7 and 9 p.m. Eastern, it's to raise funds and awareness for the para-equestrians on their journey to the World Equestrian Games, and we're just delighted to be a part of that. And Old Tech is very generously offering their studio for us to host that uh, live event. It's going to be a, a, like a live TV event, two, two hours, where people can call in and support um, our athletes, and we'll have lots of guests, and, and I know that you, you're going to call in too and give... Uh, send a message to them. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm honored to be a part of it and uh and do anything I can to help them get to where they need to go. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a fun summer for them. We're we're doing all we can here at the Horse Radio Network to support their cause and uh, looking forward to that. So, uh, June the 8th, for those of you who have been following the show recently, um I hope you have uh, marked your diary to call in. We'll have a number on our websites for you to call and pledge your support to those para equestrians. Well, Debbie, I also managed to catch up with a couple of young ladies um, recently who are involved with the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. They're both uh, students at Cal Poly and very very much involved with uh, their team over there. Um, very few teams on the West Coast, but uh, nonetheless, there's nothing like the dedication of these young ladies uh, towards that uh, Intercollegiate Dressage Association and increasing the popularity of the sport of dressage at uh, college level. And I was uh, lucky enough to catch up with uh, Rachel Knopf and Lauren Robinson, the coach of that team. So we're going to share that conversation with you in just a second after we hear from Glenn. Glenn the Geek here, and we get many emails every week from people who really like the shows, and they ask how they can help support the Horse Radio Network. Well, you already do that by listening to the shows and by buying from all of our fantastic sponsors. And now you can add to that by supporting us directly and very easily. The next time you need something from Amazon, just go to any of our websites and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Then go on and buy your Amazon items. It won't cost you a penny more, just an extra click. But Amazon gives us a little bit back just because you clicked on the banner. Tell your family and friends to do the same thing. Every little bit helps us to keep giving you the quality equestrian programming that you have come to love. Thanks for listening. 
Well, as I said, Debbie, I caught up with Rachel and Lauren just the other day. You know, this is a wonderful program, this Intercollegiate Dressage Association. Not something that uh, was available in your day, I don't suppose. No, it was not. And I do think it's it's absolutely really, really exciting because you have so many kids that, you know, they want to go on and do college and they feel they they don't have a place to go. And, and I mean, if this can grow and we have people as enthusiastic um, as these two ladies, I mean, you know, this could be something that's quite uh, competitive. Well, I think so. And as you will hear from Rachel and Lauren, there's nothing but enthusiasm and dedication. So let's hear what they had to say. Well, Rachel and Lauren, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. Thanks for joining us this week. It's a pleasure for having us. I'm excited. Well, Rachel, first of all, let's uh, talk about your story. You're president of the Cal Poly Dressage team there, and uh, I I know you're already listening to shows here on the Horse Radio Network, so you thought this would be a good idea if we talked about it on the show, and I'm really glad you did contact us because that's that's what we want. We want the listeners to write in and, and tell us what's going on in their world, and this is something we've not covered here on the Dressage Radio Show, as you know. So uh, tell us how you got involved. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing at college there and how you got involved with the Cal Poly dressage team? Well, first of all, I should clarify, I'm not exactly president yet. I've been elected for next year. Okay. Um, but I'm here at Cal Poly studying animal science. I've been into horses since a long time ago. I don't remember exactly when it started. <clears throat> um, I didn't inherit horses, but I loved them when I was little, so... <clears throat> I was able to take riding lessons, lucky that way, since when, since I was eight or so. Um, I grew up riding kind of general English. Um, the bar I rode at didn't really specialize in any particular discipline, but focused on safety and good horsemanship in general, which was a really good basis for me because I can go any direction with that. Um, as I found here at Cal Poly, I joined both the question team um and the dressage team and ended up quitting the equestrian team. It wasn't exactly right for me, but been having a blast with the dressage team, learning a lot, and it's been a great experience the last two years since I've been here. Well, Lauren, you're not only a college student there at Cal Poly, but you're also the coach. Tell us how you got into dressage and and got uh, the role of coach there at Cal Poly. Well, uh, when I was three years old, my mom bought herself a horse, and when I saw this horse, I decided that I needed to start taking riding lessons. So probably by the time I was six years old, I was eventing and riding horses, and my pony and I absolutely got so scared of jumping because the jumps got too big, and we got kind of overfaced. So I took up dressage at a very, very young age. I was showing statewide probably by the time I was like eight or nine and from there I've just that's been my dream and my passion and my goals and I've dedicated my life to becoming a dressage rider um when I was 16 I tried out for the region seven um junior um olympic team the junior rider program was an alternate, and then when I turned 18, I tried out for the Young Rider team for Region 7. Again, missed it as an alternate. At that point, I decided that I needed to take my education more seriously, so I became a full-time student and um, have found a perfect balance to 
my life de- my life's dedication to dressage and becoming a student. So it's worked out amazingly. Well, it, it certainly sounds like it has. And, and this program that I want you guys to talk about today is the Intercollegiate Interscholastic Dressage Association, known as the IDA. Um, now, Rachel, do you, do you want to give us a little bit of background as to how that started, what, some 15 years ago now? Yeah, well, it started in 95. Um, a Mount Holyoke student, uh, Michelle Hoffman, came up with the idea. Um, based off the IHSA, which is the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, um, which does equitation for English and Western. Um, and what they do is they the host school, each uh, school has a team, the hosts, whichever team hosts the show provides the horses for the show. Um, and then there's a draw system. Each rider draws a horse. And when you get on your horse, you get 10 minutes to warm it up and get to know it and figure out all its quirks and everything. And then you go in and ride your test and you're judged. So it's really a good test of rider skill rather than how well the horse and rider have, like how long they've been working together or how expensive the horse is. It really tests, focuses on the rider's abilities. Well, that is in itself, as you say, it's a skill of horsemanship because unlike the IHSA where they might be jumping or equitation, they're not in such a collected form as you need to be with dressage. So getting to know a horse in 10 minutes is quite a demanding question for you. Right. The IHSA is a little bit different because um, they're judged entirely on equitation. The horse could be bucking as long as you can sit there and look pretty. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say it like that. That sounds kind of degrading, but as long as you can sit there with good equitation and ride it out, um, you won't be penalized. But the IHSA, or IDA, I mean, they, they do judge on the horse, but they try to skew it. Some of the coefficients are different, so it's, um, the rider's equitation the rider's abilities are emphasized more so even though you have your own horse with you you're not necessarily going to be riding that in these competitions right um some of our team members do uh blend their horses to the to the team for use in the show um but there's no guarantee that they will draw their own horse i mean when you do it's almost more pressure because what if the other person who draws your horse gets a better score yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Well, the IDA, I, I understand, is af- affiliated to the U.S. Dressage Federation and the U.S. Equestrian Federation and, and funded, like any other organization, by members' dues and contributions and sponsorship. So tell us a little bit about the membership of, of the IDA, Lauren. Um, we have about 35 active members in our school. I'm also on top of coaching this team. I'm our regional rep for the Western, for the West Coast for IDA. So that means I coordinate with Stanford and UC Davis. They're the only two other schools in our region. Davis has about 12 riders, active members, and Stanford is brand new this year. This is their first year competing, and they had about five active members. So we have a small region compared to the rest of the United States. The East Coast definitely has a larger population, and they've had IDA established in their areas a lot longer than we have. Um, But as far as the West Coast goes, Cal Poly by far has the largest membership. Well, that's exciting. Now, tell me, with with just having the three schools involved in your region, then, Lauren, how often do you get to compete against one another? Um, Well, for IDA, to qualify for nationals, a rider has to compete in at least three shows. 
And um, we normally host, there's normally four shows in our region. Cal Poly hosts two, UC Davis hosts the other two. And therefore, we get a drop score for our riders that are, are pursuing competing in nationals. So tell us about the na- nationals, Rachel. Um, obviously, that is something you aspire to, is qualifying for the nationals. Uh, how does that program pan out, and, and, and when, do they ta- when and where do they take place? Well, um, I was actually lucky enough to be able to go this year. I qualified for the lower training division. Um, but it takes place, it's posted like an idea, an idea show by a school, usually back east, uh, St. Peter's, or, sorry, St. Andrew's Presbyterian College in Laurenburg, North Carolina, hosted it this year, and they did a great job. They had a beautiful facility. Um, and that takes place in April. It was this week, this year, it was the 25th of April, that weekend. Um, and it spanned three days. The first day was uh, they rode the horses so we could see them work and get a little bit of an idea of what we were going to be riding. And then they had a Highland Games Day, which was a lot of fun. The theme was they're from uh, Warrenburg's in Scotland County, so they were going with the Scottish theme. Um, they had games like Tossing the Caber and a Tug of War and a Sheepdog Tag Game, which was a lot of fun. Um and then there was a banquet in the evening for all the teams and the the annual meeting for IDA where they discussed rule changes and general business like that. And then there was a a lecture, um, and I admit I was exhausted and jet lagged, so I don't remember it very well. <laughs> but <laughs> Because we'd flown all night Thursday night, basically. Got there at 9 in the morning after leaving here, San Luis Obispo, at 5 in the previous afternoon. Um, and then Saturday was the team day where each school has four riders, one from each, for each level, first level, upper training level, which is training tests three and four, lower training, which is tests one and two, and then intro, introductory level. Um, so each team brings four riders for the team day, and their scores are combined for a team score um and then the sun- sunday is individuals day um some schools allow their team riders to compete the second time as individuals um we really wanted to increase their involvement this year so we brought three additional riders in addition to the four team riders um so we had the seven riders total and they can as individuals everyone did really well we got some really great draws there's a lot of good horses out back east. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. It was that, a blast. That sounds like a lot of fun. So how many teams did you say were com- totally competed at the Nationals? How many schools were represented? There was 12. 12 schools. 12 schools. 12 represent- regions, one school from each region. Okay. Actually, um, Stanford sent an individual rider as well. Okay. I think that is not con- considered part of the 12 from the region. Well, Lauren, uh, you've got the role of coach over there, and and what you're obviously um, you know appear to these other students. So, how does that work for you? Do, you? do you find that you get a lot of extra pressure by being the coach and having to choose the team? How do, how do you carry that responsibility? Um, I actually, I truly deeply enjoy the dressage team, and I I'm a um, volunteer coach, so I'm not getting paid, which is not a big deal. I am thinking, viewing this as an educational experience, the stuff that I'm learning, how to, the methods I'm learning how to coach, like it's a very wonderful learning experience. 
So yeah, it's a lot of pressure, but it's balanced out by the fact that I am learning so much and the, the girls on the team are really um, appreciative and thankful and I truly see like my efforts pay off, which is a wonderful feeling, so I can't help but to get more excited about it. So it's, it is a lot of pressure, but I feel like it's totally worth it because of the benefits that I'm receiving for it. And how often do you ride and, and coach the students, Lauren? Um, I host and hold practices three to four days a week. So um, I'm on campus about four days a week. And on those days, I hold an hour and a half practice. And um, then on weekends, sometimes we hold clinics with other local trainers. And I find myself helping out, trailering, making sure the team gets where they need to be. Um, so it's a pretty big commitment. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, it's, it has to be fun as well when you're all, you, you get that team together and then you go and travel to the Nationals or, or even just competing amongst your region because there must be quite some rivalry there within your region, especially with just the three teams, right? <laughs> Definitely. Friendly rivalry. <laughs> Friendly rivalry. <laughs> so t tell us um, a little bit about your ambitions then, Rachel, as as a student now, but obviously got the bug with dressage. Where, where do you hope to go from here? Having uh, obviously vying for young rider, competing at young rider level, uh, that has to be a stepping stone. So where, where are you heading with your career? I am headed... Um Actually, I'm still an amateur, so my goals are, right now I have a 17-year-old horse that I'm schooling pre-St. George with. I haven't really showed him, so I'm not planning on showing him very much. I kind of got a little overwhelmed and overshowed, so I'm taking a break from that, just honing my skills, working on developing myself as a rider and as a trainer. Um, I'm actually pursuing that. School. I'm planning on applying to veterinary school next, not this fall, but for next fall. So um, right now my main focus is <laughs> getting those grades high enough to apply. And from there, after vet school, continue riding through vet school, maybe after vet school, do some coaching on the side. I really don't know where I will end up in my dressage. I know that I will be a rider for the rest of my life, but I don't know where I'll be coaching, training a few years from now. So who are your uh, role models in the sport then? Who, who was it you were watching that um, inspired you to be a dressage rider? Um, I've actually been very lucky, and I have had an amazing coach. Her name's Ellen Eckstein. She's from the area. She was long-listed in the 84 Olympics, um, and I've been working with her since I was 8 years old, and she's really... Mm -hmm. Um, success, successfully combined natural horsemanship with dressage, and the ideas and the foundations that she has given me are amazing and have allowed me to be as successful as I am. And so, luckily, my horse is at her place, so I still ride with her. So she's really been my motivation, my aspiration, and, like, <laughs> she's been the trainer that's gotten me there. Um as far as trainers or riders in the Olympics, I would have to say that Edward Gall is by far my favorite rider. The picture that he makes when he's on a horse is just so harmonic and beautiful, but he's another big inspiration for me as well. 
Well, I hope you heard him when he was a guest here on the Dressage Radio Show. I did not, but I'm ah. going to go listen to it tonight. <laughs> there you go. Go back onto the website, dressageradio.com, and you will find uh, an episode a few weeks ago now. I talked to Edward, and, of course, uh, you'll learn a lot about Tottilus as well on this mm-hmm. show. Well, but Lauren, uh, just coming back to you briefly, what, you, you, as a coach at this stage in your career, does this inspire you to become a professional coach, or what are you going to do with your career? Um, I like I said, I will. I don't. I'm applying to vet school, so I don't know where I will be. I don't know if I will be a professional rider or not, or professional coach. I have to see how vet school goes and see where I am in a few years. But dressage is definitely will, will be with me the rest of my life. Well, so uh, Lauren, you, you obviously have, have got. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you've got yourself in a really good place there, and you and must be ambitious with that team. Tell us a little bit about what ne- what is next for them. Um, what's next for the team is it's wonderful to see the freshmen come in and to just see the growth of the team. The first year I've been at Cal Poly coaching this team for four years, so over the last four years I've just seen so much growth, so much potential. Um, our placings at nationals have just gotten exponentially better every year since we've gone. So my goal is to be one of those power schools in California that gets known as being a dressage school. It's, there are those schools in the nation that attract dressage riders, attract riders in general, and it would be wonderful to see Cal Poly be one of those schools. And Rachel, how about you? What's next for you? Uh, for my goal for the team? Yes. What's your goal now? Um, having done the Nationals, what, uh, what next for you? Um, well, in my presidency, I hope to um, see the team continue improving its riding abilities and its placings in Nationals. Um, it's really exciting getting eighth place this year. We've improved off. I don't, I don't know what we've gotten last year. Lauren, can you step in? Yeah, we got um, 11th out of 12th. So last year was 11th. This year was 8th. So we've done nothing but Jumped get up better. Jumped three places. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was exciting for us. Um, hopefully next year we can make another jump like that. Um, also, I'd like to see the team. Um, I'd really like to uh, get a sponsor for the team. Right now we've run entirely off the little funding the school gives us and our own um, our own dues and contributions from our parents. But it'd be great if we could get a, a, a sponsor to help us out so we can get more clinics and um, more can really improve our abilities through uh, a variety of of trainers. That would be a lot a lot of really helpful, I think. Um, I'd also like to um, see another team start up in our region. It'd be great if we could have four teams to or three teams to compete against rather than just two. I mean, we love Stanford and Davis. <laughs> Little more the merrier, right? So, how about um, how about Fresno schools and? Well, how about Fresno? Um, Is that an option? We've been talking to Fresno. Um, I think there might be some problem with them being NCAA, uh, uh, but okay. we'll try to figure that out and see if we can get them to start a team. So I know they do have uh, uh, NCAA equestrian team, so I know they have riders over there. Um, 
but yeah, so if there's any other school in California that would like start a team, contact us so we can help you get started. Well, we'll, we'll put a, a link on our website, of course, to your website um, over there at Cal Poly and uh, also to the IDA. And hopefully uh, you'll get some interest from this. And I hope you'll come back on the show and give us an update from time to time as to how your team is doing. And, uh, you know, maybe this will inspire others to join in and uh, you, you will get more teams in your region too. And, and, and ho- hopefully sponsorship too as well for both of you. As you mentioned, that's really... Uh, going to be an enormous help to you when, when since you are a you know, membership-based organization. And I, I'm guessing that you pay out of, uh, out of your own pocket to attend things like the Nationals to travel. Yeah, well, the team was able to cover our, our hotel and our rental car, fortunately. We had enough funds for that, but we all did pay our own plane ticket, which is kind of a stab in a wallet there. Yes, I'm sure well, it was. The country. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Well, we want to wish you the very best of luck, both of you, with your endeavours, with the club, of course, and with your own uh, personal dr- um, dressage ambitions. And thank you again so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Well, again, they really have all the enthusiasm and dedication to increase this program, Debbie. And I think that's the that's the thing, isn't it? When you start a program, and there's nothing like the energy and 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 dedication of the youth to to really get exposure to something at that level. If they're that enthusiastic when they're teenagers, um, you know, this only yeah. bodes well, doesn't it, to build a program and to get it into more colleges around the country. That is for sure. I mean, the dedication and the enthusiasm is what it takes to, to go on and make the dreams happen. And, and these two definitely sound like they're they're on their way. And I... I hope it really, you know, is successful for them. Well, we wish them the very best of luck. And, you know, just last week on the show, Debbie, we, we heard from Isabel Liebler, a pony rider, young junior she is. She's just 15. And uh, we wonder, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, those of you who listen to the show regularly or might have missed, missed last week's show, I urge you to go back and listen to that. We were blessed to have Mary Lartson, who's my co-host last week. And uh, Mar- Mary's doing a great job she's actually starting this new young rider segment debbie and uh, she chose isabel liebler as her first guest and <laughs> i was just amazed liz when she was talking to isabel uh, we found out that isabel has been competing at uh, in dressage for 10 years she start <laughs> she started when she was five years old oh, that's fabulous isn't that amazing that is fabulous so we were delighted to have Isabel on the show last week. Go back and take a listen if any of you missed that. And we uh, are also going to be watching and following Isabel. I, we encouraged her to get onto Twitter and to tweet her journey. She, too, is leaving this week, I believe, for Germany for a few weeks. She's going to be like you. She's going to have, be over there for a few weeks competing with two ponies. Oh, Fabulous! What an opportunity! That is so exciting. It really, it really is, and uh, you know, we wish her the very best of luck, Isabel. If you're listening again, I know you'll probably be getting on the road on that journey. That good that, luck. <laughs> that, <laughs> that Debbie has just taken, and uh, I know she's going to be blogging. I think for for one of the magazines, she's going to be blogging, and uh, for one of the federations. So we will be following on a blog, and we'll be following her on Twitter. But you know what, Deb? You know, it really speaks to the enthusiasm of youth we talk about the intercollegiate 
Collegiate Dressage Association. And these young people, starting at the age of five, apparently, Isabel said to her mum, she saw some dressage and she says, I want to do that. Can you believe it? But I know, and that's what so many of these, these other top countries have going for them. And it's just so exciting to hear that, you know, we have something that, or someone that's even maybe starting to set an example and, and maybe becomes a very strong role model. And uh, so I, I'm excited and wish her the best of luck. Absolutely. Well, we'll have her come back on the show and uh, tell us all about it uh, when, when she gets back from Germany. Well, um, you're off on your travels again in a few weeks. Debbie, where, where are you off to next? Now, you're doing this developing clinic tour, aren't you? I am, and I'm very excited about it. It sounds like we're having a, a strong turnout, and uh, the one in California I've had to lengthen to four days, so that's very exciting. And uh, then I think I'm in Gladstone twice before the trials doing developing clinics and uh, going to the developing horse championships as well. So that is going to be very fun. I've got a lot coming up. <laughs> you certainly have. Now, where are the developing horse championships, Deb? At Lamplight. Okay. Yeah. So you're head- so, heading uh, I'll be heading there and then directly to Gladstone from there. I'll meet up with Adrian. Terrific, terrific. And any plans to come to Lexington, Kentucky anytime soon? Well, I'm hoping I might be there in September. <laughs> yeah, so I, I know that was definitely on your, you know, penciled in. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's always something we're hoping for. But other than that, no, I don't have anything planned as far as uh, clinics go that are in the Kentucky area. Okay, well, hopefully we will catch up with you and, and get to see you. I haven't seen you for a while. I think it was World Cup last I time know. I saw you. Well, Are you coming into the trials? Um. It's 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 possible. It's not definite, but it's possible. And there's so much going on this this year, of course, in Kentucky with the build-up to the games. And uh, I also want to mention that actually on next week's show, I'm going to be reporting from the Kentucky Dressage Association CDI that they're having just this weekend in the in the Kentucky Horse Park here. Um, so we'll be covering that here on the Dressage Radio Show and lots of other things going on here, Debbie. It's you know we're spoilt for choice. There's so much happening. That's right. I mean, that's not, that's not a bad place to be. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. Well, we certainly hope we get back, get you over here in the, in the near future. And if not before, then certainly at the World Equestrian Games. Uh, I know, know you'll be an important part. You'll be an important spectator um, with or without the, the stress of being a coach. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. I'll be rooting for whoever's on the team. That's for sure. I know you will. I know you will, Deb. Well, safe travels to you uh, as we come to the end of the show here, Deb. Well, we do want to remind everybody how to reach us, of course, so you can follow our show notes on dressageradio.com. Follow us uh, on Facebook, of course. We have a fan page there. And you can also keep up with us on Twitter as ever, at Horse Radio. And you can follow me, Chris E. Stafford. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions for Debbie or myself, make sure you email those to me, chris at horseradionetwork.com. Or you can leave a voicemail if you prefer, 270-803-0025. I want to thank our sponsors here, Kentucky Performance Products, who make this show possible, and our backstage crew, Glenn the Geek and Brian, who get this show turned around every week for you. I will be back here, same time, same place, next week. And uh, I want to thank Debbie again for joining us. Uh, Don't forget... uh, you can follow Debbie. Uh, I mean, you, you make the news anyway, Debbie, don't you, with the press releases from the USEF with all your travels? 
Well, I, you know, they, they've been pretty good about keeping up now that we've got the program in place. So um, I, I think that, yep, I think people can pretty much get a clue where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Debbie. Well, as always, it's a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Have safe travels and come back and see us in a few weeks. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to practice safe writing. Thank you.